Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good evening, dummies. Episode 143, Monday, April 26, 6.33 p.m. The Avalanche play tonight, so do the St. Louis Blues. And uh, let's see, Houston Astros are playing, so I've got to get this show on the road. We've got about 27 minutes, so we'll see how this goes. Got to get a workout in. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. It's fantastic to have you here. What are we doing tonight? Well, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, as always. What's new? We always talk about something. I want to say thank you to the dummies who... Had a chance to watch the show last night. Had some nice things to say. That means a lot. I appreciate it. And I will keep cooking as long as you keep eating. What makes a man? You know, a few months back, I will link the show here. I went and uh, talked about male masculinity and some of the things that sexism brings. That men have it easy. That men are rich. That men are just born with a silver spoon in their mouth. And women have it the hardest. Well, I I wanted to go ahead and challenge that thought process. Well, tonight I'm going to put it on the other end of the spectrum and call out guys for not being alpha, but being beta males. And I think you'll find it interesting. I also want to bring a segment here, Dear LeBron. I don't necessarily read what others wrote too often, but if it's not Johnny Cash and Paul Harvey or Mike Rowe, I usually leave it to the wayside. But this is an excellent read, and I would love for you to take part. Tell me what you think. Also, the House seats, the Census Bureau has done their job finally after COVID and has decided to release the results. And it's a surprising number. The House seats have changed. And you'll be, uh, I think, pleasantly surprised that certain states lost seats and certain gained. And why did that happen? Is there a mass exodus taking place? I'll give you my analysis and tell you what's going on. And lastly, we've all seen Tyler Perry about 10 years ago. I was uh, on my Comcast guide searching through, and I was looking at channels, and I saw it would always say Tyler Perry, and then the name of the show, and I always found it to be weird. I don't know if this is a Tyler Perry show or not, but it would be like Tyler Perry's Nutty Professor, Tyler Tyler Perry's Holocaust, Tyler Perry's Spacewalk, And, and, and it was like the guy was everywhere. And I just said, how ostentatious did this guy have to be that he is so insecure that he has to put his name on everything? You don't see Spielberg doing that. Spielberg's E.T., Spielberg's Schindler's List. Why? Because every single movie on the planet, because Spielberg is somehow involved with just about all of them. But tonight we're going to talk about those things and more. I hope you stick around. I hope you stay and enjoy Don't Unfriend Me. It's a good show. And we like to get into different fields of trouble when we are here. Sometimes it's politics. Sometimes it's this. Sometimes it's that. Tonight, it's a little bit of everything, a smorgasbord, if you will, for your palate. The California census, when California was determining its census rules, a law similar to the three-fifths compromise was considered, under which two Asian Americans would be counted the same as one Caucasian. The law was rejected, however, because the lawmakers all agreed that two Wongs don't make a white. 
recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest, always direct. So sit back, relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, dummies, I appreciate you being here. Who are the dummies? Dummies are you. If this is your first time here, you are most assuredly a dummy. It's not an insult. It's the don't unfriend me's. Barstool Sports has the stoolies. I've got the dummies. I'll take the dummies any day of the week. We are small but mighty. And the things that we do here are pretty simple. We have conversations. You may agree. You may disagree. You may like it. You may not. But either way, all I ask is in the end, don't unfriend me. My name is Matt Spear. I am the host, and I will be walking you through this excursion tonight. These are all my signs, my tags. Please like, share, follow, and subscribe. It helps. It keeps the lights on, folks. That's not true. This show doesn't make any money. But if it did, likes and follows certainly would help. It keeps my ego primed and ready to go, so I come back another day. You can also click subscribe on YouTube or follow if you would. I would greatly appreciate it. If all that doesn't work, go to don'tunfriendme.com where you can find all my podcasts and my recorded video casts. At your discretion and leisure, leave a comment, say you love it, say you don't, doesn't matter, just join and participate. Let's get into it tonight. I've got, holy moly, 22 minutes. Dion Joseph is a well-known Los Angeles Police Department officer. If anybody's watched Fox News, they know who he is. He penned a letter to NBA star LeBron James requesting a meeting so that he can educate James on the realities of policing. The letter came after James targeted a police officer last week who shot and killed a black girl who was attempting to stab another girl. You may have watched my show. I'll try to link it here as well. You may also remember that there's a meme going around that's actually quite popular and funny about this. James responded to the shooting nearly 24 hours after it happened and after body camera footage had already been released by tweeting a photograph of the police officer writing, your next accountability Hashtag accountability. James included an emoji of an hourglass, which is used to signify that time is running out, just in case you're a complete idiot and didn't know that. Joseph, who has become well-known for his outreach on Skid Row, an area with rampant homelessness, wrote the following open letter to James last week. And it goes a little something like this. Dear LeBron, I am not going to come at you from a place of hatred. There will be no name-calling. I was raised to see the whole of a human being, not to hyper-focus on their flaws or make said flaws the whole of who they are. I'm an honest man. What you do for children and other acts of charity shows a huge heart. You show to be a family man, and that's to be respected. You play for the team my family has cheered for since the 1960s, then myself since 1979. But your current stance on policing is so off base and extreme. Your tweet that targeted a police officer in Ohio who saved a young woman's life was irresponsible and disturbing. It showed a complete lack of understanding of the challenge of our job in the heat of a moment. You basically put a target on the back of a human being who had to make a split second decision to save a life from a deadly attack. A decision I know he and many others wish they never had to make, especially when it involves someone so young. Instead of apologizing, you deflected. You said you took down your tweet down because you didn't want it to be used for hate when the tweet itself was the embodiment of hatred rooted in a lack of understanding of the danger 
of the situation. I don't know if this will ever reach you, but my hope is that one day I can sit down with you and talk. As a man of faith, I can have no hatred towards you, but I do feel I can help you understand the reality of the profession of policing and that there is another side you need to hear. You are tired of black folks dying. So am I. You hate racism and police brutality. So do I. But you cannot paint 800,000 men and women who are of all races, faiths, sexual orientations, and are also mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, preachers, coaches, community members, and just human with such a broad and destructive brush. Unlike some who have dug their heels in the belief that police are inherently evil, I think if you yourself actually sat down and had a real, honest, and open conversation with a cop, there is a strong chance you may discover we are not the monsters you have come to believe. We are who deserve the hate and disdain you have. And that isn't who we are. And even if you come away feeling the same way, I could respect it because at least you gave the other side your ear instead of, only hearing one narrative. The offer is on the table, LeBron. No cameras, no fanfare, just two men who care talking. I know it's a long shot, but this division and hatred must stop. It's clearly based on rising crime and marginalized communities that cops in the community need to build bridges to save lives on all sides. That cannot be done through the demonization of any group of people. Just putting it out in the universe, brother, even if not me, please take the time to talk to a police officer instead of judging them. No shade. Thanks for all the positive things you do. Backlash to James' tweet was so severe last week that he deleted it less than two hours after publishing it, and he later released a statement, but did not apologize for his actions. Also in the news, a bar in James' home state of Ohio announced last week that it would no longer show NBA James until James is expelled from the league. James, who has 50 million followers on Twitter, responded by appearing to mock the bar. I really don't think LeBron James cares about the bar. He'll simply buy it and burn it to the ground, and honestly, it's pocket change or something he found in his cushions. However, this letter was extremely well written, and I could sit here and do fanfare and tell you how great it is, but I will let it stand for itself. I try to hold myself to the same standard. If people would just approach and have conversations versus hating, and dismissing and unfriending, we would all be a better place. Bravo, sir. Very rarely am I speechless. And at this point, I will move on. House seats. I had a conversation with Mai from the Facebook page, and she had some questions around house seats. And I said, it's constantly expanding and contracting in the sense of that some states have more representatives than the other. And every 10 years, we do a census, and we basically trade ponies, if you will. The overall number of House of Representatives does not increase because that's been capped since, I believe, 1913, except for two times with Alaska and Hawaii entering the Union. Has it expanded? But once every decade, the Constitution requires that we do a census of the population in the United States that is used to apportion House seats. Unfortunately, that meant that the census had to be conducted during a pandemic last year. You may have remember seeing this in the news. Between that, natural disasters and various arguments about how the census was to be conducted, the results were delayed. However, those results will be released today. And unsurprisingly, mostly liberal states appear to be on track to lose seats, while conservative states appear to be back on track to gain them. 
According to the consulting firm Election Data Services, the states most likely to gain seats in the House are Florida, potentially two, Texas, three, Arizona, one, Montana, one, Colorado, one, and Oregon, one, the last two not being Republican red states. On the other hand, the states most likely to lose seats are New York, potentially two, California, one, Illinois, one, Michigan, one, Minnesota, one, Rhode Island, one, Pennsylvania, one, Ohio, one, West Virginia, one, and Alabama, one. You'll remember Alabama turned more purple, if not completely blue, for the election. Ohio stayed red and West Virginia was red. Both of those will lose a seat. Alabama is apparently very close to the bubble, and it's possible that they will not lose a seat. Overall, red states are set to increase their net representation in Congress. In other words, for the most part, what we're seeing is people moving from poorly governed, crime-ridden, lockdown-happy liberal states to better-governed conservative states. Had the census been conducted this year instead of last year, it's entirely possible that those trends would have been even more severe. In Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, they've seen the hottest real estate market in living memory, and the generally accepted explanation is that legions of northerners that have finally gotten sick of New York and New Jersey and the other Rust Belt states because of the rioting and governmental overreaction to COVID are moving here and there to get away. On the other side of the country, there are an awful lot of people fleeing locked down, badly run, overtaxed California for greener pastures. Let's just hope that all the people that flood those badly run liberal states don't vote for the same policies that ruin their old states in their new homes. And of course, we cannot count on that. Dems actually will lose three states, net three seats, which gives the edge to Republicans. Of course, they will vote for those liberal policies. I fled California and moved to Houston, Texas, and I will tell you the taste of freedom is what this is about. This is not about anything other than not being liberal or not being conservative, but being free. People are sick and tired of unregulated, unabashed taxes. They're sick to death of having to pay five to 10 cents for a plastic bag. They're sick and tired of drinking through paper straws. They want to buy as many rounds for their weapon as they can and put a flasher or a stock or anything else on their weapon. They want to go ahead and have something more than 10 rounds of a magazine in their weapon. They want to be able to speak their mind. They want to be able to afford rent. That isn't $3,000 for a one-bedroom studio apartment, if you're lucky living with four other people. California and these other states have absolutely done what they always do which is drive the population out. And every seven to 10 years, you will see the ebb and flow from the coasts to the center of the country. But this time it's different. This exodus is a mass exodus. But the problem with that comes with these idiots who flee and then vote for the same policies that they are trying to escape. I challenge everybody. You ruined Virginia. I came here and it was a red state. And now it's blue. And they are taking and stripping all of the freedoms away. It is becoming California 2.0. And it makes me sick. This shirt is a testament to what this state is supposed to be about. Don't tread on me. Instead, keep your boot against my throat. That is now Virginia. That is now Oregon. That is now Maryland. And unfortunately, this epidemic of people fleeing is spreading like a cancer. We can only hope that maybe, just maybe, that these people will be influenced by freedom and covet it during the next election so they never vote Democrat 
again. <sighs> Tyler Perry's badass speech. Tyler Perry urged the global Oscars audience to refuse hate and work harder to uplift those on the margins as he accepted the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award on Sunday night at the 93rd Annual Academy Awards. Who gives a shit? And I believe that. I think the Academy Awards are a biggest crock in the world. And if you want to see racism personified, it is most assuredly the Academy who snubbed black, black actors. And now, as I said last night, they have a mixed representation of certain requirements of races and colors and creeds that you have to put forward for nomination. Otherwise, your film doesn't make it. That sounds extremely fair, but honestly, they're not addressing the problem, which is how do we have more black, Hispanic, minority actors come to the forefront without necessarily changing the current contents and culture that we love? James Bond is most assuredly white and has been. If you want to create another 00 character, great. Just leave 007 alone. He's not a woman. He's not black. He just happens to be James Bond, and that's fine. You don't need to change Jack Ryan. You don't need to change Clark from Without Remorse and make it a horrible actor like Michael B. Jordan. We have the ability to create new stories, new dialogue, new styles of music and writing. We don't need to keep resampling the same thing and simply recasting an old script. But Tyler Perry isn't necessarily doing any of that. He is a mogul. He built thriving studios in Atlanta from humble beginnings and was homeless at one point. That includes periods of living out of his car. He spoke of lessons he learned from his mother who grew up under harsh conditions in Mississippi. That is M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. In an earlier generation of civil rights strife, such as the 1955 murder of Emmett Till and bombings in Alabama during the integration struggles of the 1960s. Quote, she taught me to refuse hate and blanket judgment, Perry said of his mother. He contrasted those lessons to the contemporary hyperactive media and social media cauldrons. Quote, in this time, with all of the internet and social media and algorithms that want us to think a certain way, the 24-hour news cycle, it's my hope that we teach our kids, refuse hate, don't hate anybody. Perry said with, his, with emotion in his voice, I refuse to hate someone because they're Mexican or because they are black or white or LGBTQ. I refuse to hate someone because they're a police officer or because they're Asian. I would hope we would refuse to hate. And I want to take this humanitarian award and dedicate it to anyone who wants to stand in the middle because that's where healing, where conversation, where change happens. It happens in the middle. Goosebumps, man. Freaking goosebumps. Look at them. All over. All over. Fucking A right, Tyler Perry. You may be a person who has to put your name in front of all your movies, but dude, this is what I've been preaching. People say to me, why are you in the middle? I'm not in the middle because I have a lack of options. I'm in the middle because that is where we all have to go. We've got to rehash. We've got to wipe our slates clean. We've got to unplug from the matrix for a little bit, take the red pill, and change the way we think because all of this is just distraction. Sorry I took away from his quote, but man, I am inspired by this man's words. Anyone who wants to meet in the middle to refuse hate and blanket judgment, this one is for you too, he said. Thank you, Mr. Perry. I appreciate you sharing your humanitarian award. Perry's ascent in film and TV has been remarkable, making him one of the most successful black entrepreneurs of all time. He was recognized last October as Variety Showman of the Year. During his Oscars address, which he delivered from Atlanta, Perry also relayed a story about a moment of grace he experienced 17 years ago 
As his professional star began to rise, he encountered a homeless woman outside of a building where he was producing a project. He was taken aback when she asked him for a pair of shoes rather than take my money. I'm about to give her money, she says. Sir, do you have any shoes? It stopped me cold. I remember being homeless and I had one pair of shoes. They were bent over at the heels, Perry said. We go to wardrobe and there were all these boxes, fabrics, racks of clothes. We had to stand in the middle of the floor. As we were standing there, we found some shoes. She's looking down. She finally looks up. She has tears in her eyes. She said, thank you, Jesus. My feet are off the ground. I don't put much stock in celebrities. I've met a lot of great celebrities. I've sat next to them on planes. I've met a ton of hockey players. I've met people in politics. And I don't put much stock and value in what they have to say, to be completely honest with you. Celebrities are not the moral compass of the world. And if they were, God forbid, we would all be in a cesspool of Caligula. But occasionally, they get something right. That was an apolitical statement. It was lessons that are dripping with the Lord and the Scripture. And honestly, the golden rules. Have we forgotten what it's like? Are words like a generic speech like that, that isn't necessarily moving? It's not the Gettysburg Address. It's not something by Gandhi. It wasn't a speech that was made that hits your soul and lives through eternity, like Ronald Reagan at the wall. It was just a simple statement that we've heard on every Sunday, or we've heard from our mom and dad, or we heard in kindergarten. Are the words so far from our ears? And so long ago that something like that can literally inspire us. And I say yes. It's not the amount of words. It's the choice of words and it's the way that you put them together. The cadence, the inflection, the meaning, all can inspire. Mr. Tyler Perry, thank you. As celebrities, I usually don't listen to y'all. But that was fantastic. And once again, hats off. What makes a man... Listen, I am not the most manly man on the planet. I get emotional. I cry once in a while. I get my feelings hurt. I occasionally can do some of these things, but I will tell you, I am absolutely disgusted by this beta generation. Where are men? What happened? Listen, I can understand if you can't grow a beard. That's fine. I understand if you don't down a beer and shotgun a beer. I understand if you don't go shooting every weekend and kill deers and rub their blood under your eyes and eat their heart. That's fine. And no, you don't have to club a woman over the head and drag her back to your bedroom. But can we at least find our alpha side? Can we at least puff up our chest like bantam roosters and when you bump into me in the movie theater accidentally that we turn around and look at each other still instead of saying, oh, excuse me, sir, I'm sorry I bumped into you. Can we be men? Can we cuss and say it's okay? Can I say shit, fuck, goddamn, and it not be a sin? Can we just realize that we're men? Can we have locker room talk without being subjected to racism, sexism, xenophobia? I apologize for saying goddamn. That was too much. That's twice I said it. Lord's name in vain. I apologize. See? But there are some rules that shouldn't be broken. The question is, is how can you tell a man hasn't grown up yet? How is a man not a man and still a boy? Number one, his life is centered around the consumption of other people's products. If your life is centered around enjoying video games, TV, drugs, pornography, social media, anime, comic books, or any other product designed to be an opiate of the masses, you're just a nameless cog in someone else's wheel, not a man making his own life and the most of his life. 
Now I take umbrage with some of that because I like my video games, but nonetheless, number two, he doesn't want to pay his own way. You can't say you're a man if you're still living with mommy and daddy or relying on the government to give you other people's money to pay your bills. Boys rely on other people to provide for them. Men are determined to find a way to pay their own bills. We are hunters and gatherers at the lowest common denominator. Number three, you can't count on him. These are the guys that don't show up and forget to call. They don't pay the power bill because they spent that money at the bar. They forget their girlfriend's birthday again, disappear when it's time to do hard work. And if you loan him 20 for a dinner, you're never seeing that again. You can't ever just take guys like this at their word when they say that they'll handle something because like a little boy, they need to be nagged and helped along to get anything done. Number four, he's emotionally unstable. He's constantly upset over nothing can't control his fear or his temper, is unstable or on the verge of falling apart. Anyone can go through a rough patch, but the immature men buy into the lie that says that's just the way they are, as if millions of other men haven't found a way to successfully work through those same issues. It's called psychotropic drugs. Prozac. I'm kidding. Number five, he's passive aggressive. Oh, I hate it. If a man is upset with you, you'll know it while a boy tends to be passive-aggressive because if he says exactly what he thinks to an adult, he might get in trouble. It's annoying when boys do this and downright pathetic when men do it. I can't stand the pompous asses that come onto the site and are passive-aggressive and pretend that if they were face-to-face with me that they would talk in that tone in any way, shape, or form. Yet they hide behind the anonymity of the internet and the fact that they finally get to stand up to the things that they will never truly face, which is kind of an oxymoron. When the going gets tough, he doesn't get going. It doesn't matter who you are. Life is going to test you. When the difficulty level ramps up and you have to push yourself to pass a class you don't like, deal with a boss because you need a job, keep coming after you, get punched in the face, or stand tall for what you believe in, even when there may be a price to pay for it, men have enough grit to manage it while boys crumble. It's true that you can't win them all, but you'd be surprised at how often a man can keep himself in the game with sheer determination. Number seven, he's drifting through life. These are the guys with no ambition, no goals, no real plans. They're just existing, reacting to life as it comes at them like a log floating down a river. Unfortunately, without mommy and daddy telling them what to do, their life seems destined to drift way off course, and they whine incessantly about it every single day. Number eight, he has an immature view of relationships. There are a lot of variations on this theme, but almost all of them are tied to men refusing to view women as autonomous human beings with wants and needs just as as important as their own. Maybe they think all women are the B word. They think women are only good for sex, or they simply sworn off women, women altogether because they're convinced they're too difficult to deal with. In other words, these are the people that have trouble seeing a woman as anything other than objects they can use to meet their own needs. And I will attest to this. I was one of them. The day that I finally gave in and realized that I was with my wife shoulder to shoulder when we walked down and stand to get, stood together on the aisle is, is the reason why I learned this. But it took me 10 years after our marriage to create that level of equality and understand that her opinion and her love and her grace is the reason I am who I am today. And without her, I would not be who I am today. That is the difference between men and boys. Men realize that women are there to help and assist and to help carry the load. 
And little boys simply deflect and say a woman is not important or her opinion doesn't matter. It's not about sexism. It's about respect. Number nine, he can't hold a job. To hold even the lousiest job, you have to show up on time correctly, perform basic tasks, and do the things that you don't want to do. Men who can't hack this float from job to job to job and end up being the sort of people demanding that the government raise the minimum wage because they are incapable of ever being worth more than what someone is forced to pay them. And they're incessant man buns. For the love of God, cut it off. Seriously. Number 10, he can't handle conflict. These are the guys that ghost a woman they've been dating rather than tell her they don't want to see her anymore. They can be huge jerks online, but in person, they're scared to talk to a manager or need a safe space because they can't handle the idea that someone disagrees with them. On the other hand, maybe they go in the opposite direction. When they get upset, they scream and pick fights like a brat in the middle of a tantrum. Whatever their malfunction may be, they just can't handle a dispute like a man. The beta male. It all started with metrosexuals, right? We saw this, I've become a more feminine, more in touch with myself male. If that's who you want to be, that's fine. But there is a root cause in the degradation of society as the man should stand up and be the leader of the family. And if that means you change diapers or you go work 40, 60 hours a week, then you do that. It doesn't mean you have to be the only sole provider. It means you need to provide. In whatever facet that means to take care of your family, start having conversations, start challenging people's thinking, start listening, start asking more questions and keep your mouth closed. If you are under 30, you don't know anything. And when you're 40, you might've learned a few things. And when you're 50, you're going to realize how much you didn't know when you were 40. I'm right there. Every single day is a learning process. And there is always people around you who know more respect the elderly Hold doors open for women. Ask more questions of the people who saw world wars. Ask more questions who saw the economy go into depression. Ask people who went through Vietnam. Ask people who went through more things in a few years than you will be through your entire life. And not only will you become a man, you will learn humility. You will learn decadence and reverence for the people who have more experience than you do. You don't know it all. You haven't done it all. In fact, you've done nothing. And it's time to start. Men need to stand up and be men again and stop being little boys. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. If you liked what you heard, and I hope you did, great. You may agree, you may disagree, you may love me or hate me. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. And that would be a good thing. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Veteran crisis hotline 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. 22 veterans, traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, depression are all real things. Unfortunately, veterans do not get the help that they need. They need you. Have a conversation. Talk to a veteran. Ask them how you can help. Also, you can refer them to the Veteran Crisis Hotline. Veteran Crisis Counselors are standing by right now. If you cannot make that call, if you don't feel comfortable talking to a veteran about this, reach out to me. I will do it with you. I'll get on the phone. We can get Skype. I'll get in a plane, whatever it takes. If that doesn't work, you can go to www.donunfriendme.com. And you can also visit my website. Click on the VCL link. You'll be connected to a veteran crisis line operator free of charge. It is too darn important. We need your help. Veterans need your help. Please reach out to a veteran today. Folks, that's it for 143. I appreciate you standing by. Please like, share, and subscribe right here. Throw me a like and a follow. I really appreciate it. It helps and keeps the lights on. And also, God doesn't kill a puppy. Thank you. I will talk to you tomorrow for 144. Have a good night. And thank you for listening.